welcome to another episode of Resonate Radio. This episode has been awaiting its release for a long time. Finally, the time has come. I am glad that everybody will have the chance over the holidays to go through this. We are going to be talking about the legal status of cannabis in the Ukraine, or possibly lack thereof. We have a couple of activists here. Uh, someone who also runs the largest cannabis magazine in the Ukraine. Shout out to Trava. And I just, again, been waiting to get this out to everybody, the resonators here at Resonate Radio. So thank you for the support. Thanks for the download. Spread the word. I, there's even a playlist, everybody, on Spotify. If you go look up Resonate Radio on repeat, you'll be able to follow that and have a continuous episode list play for you. I got you. Every single time we see an episode, I throw that out there for you. Much love. Please, if you get a chance, go make a review on Apple and also follow. If you haven't followed us everywhere, connect with us on Instagram. You know the drill. Everybody, much love. But enough of me. Let's get the conversation started here on Resonate Radio. Another episode to you. Stay tuned for end of the year wrap up episode coming soon, everybody. Hi everyone, uh, thanks for having me. My name is Molly. Um, I'm originally from Kazakhstan. Um, I've been in Canada for the last eight years, out of uh, which I've been a medical patient for quite a bit. Um, I'm a commercial grower, um, I guess. I've worked at a few licensed facilities. I'm uh, a big fan of propagation and uh, all things in veg. So that's something that I'm really passionate about, um, as well as trying to bring legalization to my own country maybe one day. Hi. Hi guys, yeah, my name is Maria, I'm from Kiev region, I'm a copywriter, blogger and cannabis enthusiast. My journey with cannabis has started in California seven years ago where I lived for a couple of months and ever since I've been in love with this plant and been informing people in Ukraine about its superpowers, you know. I'm really glad to be a part of international cannabis community and super thrilled to tell you guys about Ukraine because we have a lot of things going on here lately. Hi everyone, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Ellie or Alina. I am from Ukraine and I'm a designer, editor and uh, content creator for Ukrainian-Russian uh, cannabis magazine called Trava. We touch a lot of different topics about weed, uh, its properties, uh, consumption, uh, growing it, cooking with it, you know, etc. Uh, we also have a few other periodicals, a magazine Grower, where we publish grow reports and grow diaries from cannabis gardeners all over the world. Uh, we have Cannabis Encyclopedia that tells readers about history, laws, um, and different uses of cannabis and hemp in uh, different countries of the world. And also a few business guides um, and catalogs uh, to help people choose um, cannabis products and where to buy them in Ukraine or Russia. So yeah, that's what I do.
really like to give you three the ladies the opportunity to really talk about what is happening in the industry or you know lack of things that are happening in the industry over there and so you know just to kind of get the conversation rolling i know the ukraine has been having some interesting things that are happening over there there was a very large public turning uh, that happened a few years ago in that country and everybody was getting extremely excited uh, for this year. There was some presidential posturing that was occurring in the country for the positive legalization of cannabis. There was the several people involved with the National Health Service there, the health regions, the health authorities that were also expressing support for cannabis. And then things went sideways. We only had a couple of synthetics that were legalized for medical use. And it just kind of, one of the phrases we use over here is off the rails. Things got really crazy. It didn't go according to plan. I'd love to kind of start the conversation there to, you know, really understand what the heck happened. Everything, everything was going so well, <laughs> it seemed like. Or is that also just a misconception? Is the news wrong from what I understand with that situation? Well, yeah, the cannabis discourse in Ukraine has seemed pretty hopeless up to 2019, I guess, when suddenly the petition demanding to legalize the use of cannabis for medical and scientific purposes have received 2,500 votes for its consideration by the parliament. And since that time, it well has been quite an interesting journey. Um, the question of the access to medical cannabis has become nationwide, as you have already mentioned. Um, in October 2020, our president, President Zelensky, announced nationwide exit poll that asks people whether they support the legalization of cannabis uh, for medical purposes or not. And 65% of the participants answered yes, which was really huge. And like, This April, uh, the government legalized a few prescription drugs, right? Um, Nabiximos, Dronabinol, Nebulone. Uh, the last two ones have been approved in Canada since 1980s, I guess. And well, um, at first we were like, wow, that's great. That's a little step further, but patients and activists were really pissed by that. Uh, well, first of all, because instead of legalizing cannabis in its natural plant form, um, the government approved drugs that use only a chemical copy of cannabis and that most Ukrainians can't even afford. Uh, well, they cost $600 or even some of them $2,000, sorry. Um, and this so-called legalization basically solves nothing. Uh, we were pretty, I don't know, disappointed. Um, the thing is um, about this so-called legalization, um, well, the lack of political power, of political will in Ukraine, um, Ukrainian politicians are afraid uh, to lose uh, their conservative electorate. That's why they do these little steps and, you know, like to fill the ground, to look at the reaction, at the reaction of society and then to think what, what to do next. Maria, uh, do you know um, if the government was consulting anyone in the actual cannabis industry from other countries that have had, you know, at least their medical cannabis legalized? Because the decision 
I think was made based on the lack of information maybe for them. Um, I totally understand the aspect of, you know, trying to make sure you don't piss off um, half of your voters. Um, of course, like, you know, we do have a pretty um, uh, conservative uh, population still uh, in some areas, so I totally understand that. But to me, it's very interesting, uh, you know, they picked those few uh, brand names. However, you know, there could have been so much potential for, you know, opening the facilities, creating jobs for people, um, utilizing, you know, some of your land that is not being used, because, you know, it's quite a bit. Same thing in Kazakhstan is the same question I always have. Um, do they not see the value in doing that, uh, you think? Or do you just think that it's something that they would plan to do in the future? Because based on the response they gave kind of to the press when it just happened, and I'm talking as a person who just read it on the news, I obviously don't live there, uh, that this was kind of like their solution to the legalization, that they're just going to give those few brand names. But uh, CBD as a cannabinoid, um, in other forms, like that is still seems to be a very vague definition of what's legal, you know? Well, uh, you see, they do not uh, take any advice uh, from, you know, uh, scientific community. Um, they even do not listen to the Ministry of Health of Ukraine. And the thing is that, that there is a lot of pressure uh, from the Ministry of Internal Affairs of Ukraine, which is unfortunately hard corrupted and um, you know all those possibilities they may realize them but um, as well as they have this pressure they just cannot do anything uh, the head of the Ministry of Internal Affairs repeatedly spoke out against medical cannabis and basically just blocked the discussion even though the Ministry of Health insisted that cannabis is part of vital medical care um, well you probably want me to ask how is it even possible right that the minister of internal affairs can dictate the minister of health what to do but well as we say in ukraine we have what we have and the situation is that ukrainian cops covered black market take bribes and legalizing medical cannabis like like really legalizing it is not an option for them uh, that means for them losing a part of their income and all they do is just try to stop this process. Uh, besides that, our deputy interior minister is closely, closely associated with the network of so-called rehabilitation centers that have been practicing, well, compulsory treatment. Uh, the journalists found out that those centers basically just kidnap people, impersonate police officers, and, you know, they just try to cure people from some um, drug abuse or dependencies. Well, well, what are we talking about? Like, what cannabis dependency are we talking about? So, as you can see, even though they realize, like, that they can sell it, that they can profit from it, uh, there is still this corruption moment, which just, mm, I don't know, pauses everything. Yep, uh, I totally agree with you. And this is something that I bring up 
in every discussion that I've been having in the past few months about possible legalization in post-Soviet countries is we still have the corruption problem. So it really doesn't matter what kind of system we come up with. If you can pay somebody to get a license, if you can pay somebody to pass your tests, you know, if you can pay someone to basically do anything, you know, whichever way you want, the system is not really going to work. So there is no point of having that. And even though in our countries, the corruption part is very similar. I think the really good thing about Ukraine is that you guys have the freedom of speech. So you can actually, you know, have your fairs about um, hemp and cannabis where you can educate the public who comes by. And the fact that, you know, uh, you guys can have the, um, you know, like social media where you can still learn about cannabis and like see how it's happening in other countries where I know in Russia, it's still a bit uh, more restricted. In Kazakhstan, we even have uh, basically a criminal punishment for forming a neutral opinion on cannabis. So technically, you don't like you can't even talk about it in theory because if you are educating somebody about the fact that cannabis also can have good effects, then that's forming a neutral opinion. So unless they say cannabis is bad, it's considered to be a propaganda. So in those type of conditions, you know, for me, I'm like, of course, I understand why people don't go on the streets and they don't march for cannabis. And for me, the hope is that, you know, with kind of like what you guys are doing uh, on the activism side of things, that at least is going to show people in other countries around our area that things can be different and that, you know, it's if you allow a fair to happen, like people are not going to be getting, you know, high at the fair, they're just coming by to get educated. So I think that's a really big, you know, first step. And I'm glad that it's happening. Uh, but I'm also curious with what has been um, implemented so far, has the activists uh, proposed another like um, adjustment to that the reform that they released uh, in April? Well, yeah, I was going to tell about this next. Well, actually, a couple of days ago, we received pretty good news. We found out that, like, a couple of days, the Verkhovna Rada, uh, which is uh, Ukrainian parliament, registered the new bill on regulating the circulation of cannabis for medical, scientific, and technical purposes. Well, let me note that this is the third attempt to pass such a law in two years, and all the previous bills were failed with absolutely pathetic excuses, such as, oh, well, it's not a priority, we have more important things to do, blah, 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 we don't have time. Um, President Zelensky once even said, those who need medical cannabis will wait, which was an absolutely horrendous thing to say in public. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, this a little step for us, because all the previous bills, as I've already mentioned, were failed, and this new one is, well, it's not bad. We haven't seen the full text yet, but um, the good news is that the people who wrote this bill, they just, they have done it together. Because um, a couple of years ago, uh, there were uh, a few bills and uh, nobody wanted to read them, nobody wanted to vote for them. And now we have just one bill and we really hope that it will work. And yes, you've said about the cannabis community. Uh, the cannabis community is 
pretty strong here, fortunately, in Ukraine. And sometimes it even helps to protect our medical patients. Uh, we have, for example, um, the case of Vitaly Rumyantsev, uh, that is a disabled person who cultivated and smoked cannabis to relieve joint pain. And he was almost sentenced to seven years of imprisonment, but uh, Ukrainian human rights activists intervened, made the trial public, and he actually won the case, uh, which is absolutely unprecedented for our country. Wow. That's actually amazing. Yeah, and uh, you know, and that's the the thing that really, you know, kind of amazes me. There are so many people who would benefit from it, but yet our governments who always complain about the fact that, you know, they spend so much money on our healthcare, they still do not want to implement cannabis as an option that could have helped so many people and if they allowed people to at least cultivate at home, you know, even a small amount of plants, I think it could have helped, you know, tremendously to help alleviate a lot of the stress on the healthcare system. Um, and it would help a lot of the um, citizens to not get involved with really, you know, expensive and very highly addictive drugs, you know, like opioids. Um, and they're also really hard to access to in our countries. So to me, that part is very upsetting um, because like you said you know corruption and the involvement of the law enforcement really doesn't help um, for me when I think about you know the legalized in our countries um, I really can't think of a, a perfect framework yet uh, because there's so many little things that I think um, our governments don't even think about when they try to um, kind of even like consider this uh, legalization aspect and for example in Kazakhstan they have said um, in December when the UN has published their revision of the uh, schedule of uh, cannabis as a drug and they basically said that you know they still believe that it's a dangerous drug and um, you know they will still treat it as such and they will not be making any revisions however in kazakhstan they're still um i think making some progress i believe they increased their thc limit to 0.4 at this point for medical uh and uh, apparently they're really trying hard to legalize it i'm getting bits and pieces because for us unfortunately you know because of the legality they can't even really uh, post any news about the progress in those areas but you know we do have a ham facility there that's uh, i think about 22 hectares um, and i believe that you know kazakhstan is not the only country who's been producing hemp uh, in our areas so with the history of our countries again i would have thought that this uh, could be a very lucrative moment for the government because again you know, the EU is still in the process of legalization. If we legalized it before EU, if we, you know, had these processes in place and we produced so much product um, and with our labor costs, you know, it would be so cheap to produce it in our countries, they still are missing out on such a great opportunity. Um, and with them complaining about uh, the crisis and how we never have enough jobs and you know people are moving out and everybody's leaving um, I really think this could be a very very big solution for quite a few problems uh, the biggest one right now is the stigma uh, and I think in that sense Ukraine is doing a really good job um, alongside with a couple other countries I believe uh, in Georgia 
the education is also um, going pretty well. Uh, maybe Ali knows a little more about, you know, what uh, countries um, that have the activists um, and are educating, because I know uh, Trava has published quite a few um, influencers who do write in Russian about cannabis. So it is moving a bit slow, but at least it's moving somewhere. So that's a big you know, thing that gives me hope that one day with all the hard work that all of us are putting in, even if it's a little bit at a time and just talking to one person at a time, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel, I think. And with a new generation, um, everybody is watching what's happening abroad. So if the entire world is legalizing, I'm sure that our youth is gonna start questioning that and they will be pushing for it because it just really is not fair you know, when I can go in Canada and I can literally make a living growing cannabis here and in my country where cannabis is literally a native plant to our lands, I can't grow it, I can't smoke it, I can't do anything with it. And more than that, I can get a pretty big punishment for having anything to do with it. And sometimes in a country like Russia, you can go in jail for having socks with cannabis leaves on it. Like, how ridiculous is that? Oh yeah, Wally. Um, it, it, I agree with you. It gives us hope that um, that we can at least uh, talk about the plant. We can write uh, articles about it, and also our media covers it as well, pretty often. And we can create art. We can create music, movies. Um, I think you've probably heard the Eurovision Ukrainian song, and if you if you not googled before, uh, you should know that CUV Konopalitsky means um, sowing cannabis seeds in spring, which was very common in old times and even until like late sixties uh, in still Soviet Ukraine at that time. So yeah, it's um, it's hopeful that things are that we can we can discuss it in public. And I just wanna uh, jump on a little bit and add the positive uh, vibe to our discussion and tell you a little bit more about the positive sides of cannabis uh, situation in Ukraine. So we have a pretty developed and legal market with a lot of wonderful companies. Um, you can buy seeds uh, from the majority of biggest seed banks and breeders from, say, Holland or Spain, like um, like greenhouse seeds, Dutch passion, sweet seeds, Barney's Farm, and many, many more. You can buy any kind of growing equipment from, you know, worldwide brands as well as any kind of smoking devices. There are tons of other products from Ukrainian brands, such as food, you know, clothes, uh, shoes, and even building materials from hemp. We have, I want to mention it uh, especially, we have a wonderful company called Hempire that builds beautiful and sustainable houses from hempcrete. And the company owner, I believe his name is Serhii Kovalenkov. He's a very nice guy. I've met him in Kiev in um, uh, the Cannabis Expo, uh, the Ukrainian Cannabis Expo, and he creates amazing projects in Ukraine and even abroad. And I've heard that he even lectured at a Kyoto conference um, some years ago about sustainable building from, from hemp. 
So those are positive things. And uh, we also have um, cannabis expos, medical conferences with uh, speakers from Europe and US. We have, uh, as mentioned before, freedom marches and a lot of extraordinary activists who continue to fight this battle for many years now. And yes, and having all of that, we still don't have the most important things. Uh, laws, decriminalization, uh, legal, legal medical programs for patients. And that is what we all want to change. And thanks to all of our activists and activist groups, there are, you know, I think we're moving to the right direction, even though it's slow, it's step by step, and sometimes we're stuck because of the corruption, we're stuck in, you know, a continuous circle of, you know, ups and downs. But we're moving into the right direction. And um, yeah, so I hope one day we'll, we'll, we'll reach the goal. I have a question for you both because uh, I haven't been home in seven years. So I really, you know, can speak on that um, on my behalf for my country. But I wanted to ask you guys, you know, for Ukraine, what is something that um, maybe people in cannabis industry and other countries can do to help you guys? Um, or if you can think of, you know, anything that other countries could share with you, for example, you know, like in Canada, maybe there are certain statistics moments that could have been helpful, um, like the data that we have gathered over the last three years that could have been helpful for you guys to make um, a better, you know, more informed decision. Because uh, I really, you know, I would love to help you guys get there, but um, at the moment, I'm just not really sure if there's, um, you know, a way in which I could contribute uh, to this moving forward, uh, because there's so many people who would benefit from this, uh, and I just can't even imagine, you know, the impact that we could have made. And it would be very interesting for me to hear um, about this from people who are actually, you know, uh, are, are part of this right now, and you guys are making it happen there. Uh, how can we help you? I agree with Maria here that until we have um, an urgent and very important police reform in Ukraine, there will there will not be an adequate cannabis laws. So we need to focus on this first. And then, um, because it's the corruption, it's the police reforming, or, or the current state of police affairs that are stopping, uh, not stopping us as a, as a nation, but um, stopping us moving forward with uh, cannabis legalization. So that's the first thing that we need to solve as a nation. We need to, you know, we need to vote those fuckers out and then uh, solve the cannabis laws. And then, of course, uh, I think we'll, we'll be open to any help from, especially from Canada, because you have so much knowledge and so many years of, uh, of those reforms. Yeah, I agree with Ali. I think that, first of all, we need to <laughs> sort the things out by ourselves. Uh, but, um, you know, like today, um, 
having an invitation to such a platform, right, international platform, uh, to tell about our experience to the world, to uh, tell English speakers about Ukrainian experience uh, with uh, medical cannabis is absolutely great. Yes, we, we need that. Uh, if we have uh, many platforms to talk about that, to talk about our experience, to share our journey with the world, that would be just perfect. Thank you, guys. Yeah, um, again, you know, I totally agree with the police reform. And uh, this is why, you know, I've said many times uh, when people kind of approach me and we're like, oh, why don't you write to, you know, people in parliament in Kazakhstan? Why don't you just go and tell them like, hey, I want to explain you how the legalization works and, you know, you should do it. But I just don't think that a lot of people in the West realize how our system is pretty much non-existent you know if you, it's really hard to reach the government and especially if you're going with such a sensitive topic you know not every person in our countries you know is ready to go and uh, you know stand up for their basic human rights um and then you know if you add cannabis on top of that and the person is not actually you know didn't personally have an experience it doesn't have like a personal interest in the legalization they're simply not really going to care about the cause so that's why right now i think the one thing that we all can do is try to keep educating everybody around us and informing them just because a lot of the times people think that you know cannabis is a drug and there is nothing else besides it and to me it's very surprising that in our countries this type of thinking is still present because we have had cannabis and hemp on our lands for a very long time which has been used by our ancestors for a very long time and again is native to our lands we even have different um basically different land race varieties depending on the region across russia ukraine and kazakhstan so just having you know the fact that we have a pretty diverse varieties of cannabis in our countries just that fact alone to me is you know mind-blowing we have so many scientists and researchers who could have been doing some work right now if only they at least you know decriminalized it because right now there are so many possibilities and even for people from other countries you know uh we know like with genetics for example uh, they just crossbreed the same stuff for a long time now it would be a huge i think breakthrough if we could get our hands onto those varieties that have been grown in the wild and weren't touched because you know if you, we've been chasing uh THC and breeding for that for a long time, we could have lost some cannabinoids along the way that we don't even know exist. So I think there's so much value that is in our land in that sense. And um, I'm really hopeful that, uh, you know, the more people realize that not only cannabis has been here for a long time, it's still there. People in our countries still consume it they still grow it some people have been doing it for generations and there's a lot of culture that's involved in it as well um and it's very different in each region like you know how they smoke cannabis um you know the rituals that were involved around it and even if you think uh different um little nations in central asia the way we consumed our cannabis was also quite different and you know apparently the use of it was very very uh, popular back in like 1800s so to me it's just 
I think embracing something that we have had on our lens for so long and that we could have used to benefit our people. Um, because our healthcare is not the best um, and there's definitely quite a bit of stress um, that could have been alleviated with the help of cannabis, uh, not only for our, you know, medical patients, but also just, you know, using the hemp in all the different ways, um, you know, building these facilities to grow either hemp or cannabis, having those jobs, you know, um, having youth be more encouraged to go and study, you know, agriculture and horticulture and, you know, just making sure that we take care of our lands. I think cannabis goes hand in hand with, um, you know, making more um, ecologically wise decisions as well. I'm sure Maria, you know quite a bit about that too. And I think there's a lot of value. It's just that a lot of our people don't even know about that. I think that's a big you know, issue where we have this kind of like a disconnect with the information uh, because we have a lot of population who are very, um, they're kind of like set against anything that's not ours. It's the us versus them mentality that we still have after Cold War, where we think that anything that America is doing is, you know, designed to like destroy people. And I'm really glad that, you know, with years, this mentality is lifting. Uh, but there's still, of course, a lot of people who think that, oh, yeah, they only legalize it in those countries so they can make money of the drug addicts that they're creating. Um, and it's really not like that. I don't think we uh, had any kind of increases in drug addiction. There was no increases in like any kind of like injuries related to cannabis. There's no increase in DUIs, uh, in, you know, related to cannabis. So there's a lot of these things that we are scared of that might come with legalization. But if we look at facts and not our um, assumptions, the reality is very different. Um, from what our people usually think, that everybody is just going to run to the stores and have to mandatory smoke cannabis every single day for the rest of their lives. That is really not what Legalize is. Yeah, I totally agree with you. For me, fighting for cannabis actually is like, you know, recollecting our past. Well, it's going back to the roots because in Ukraine, hemp has been grown since ancient times. Hemp, cannabis, all of it. It was used to make fabric, clothes, shoes, ropes, oil. It could be found basically in every household. And it's, it has always been a part of our culture. It is mentioned in many folklore songs and tales. Even during the Soviet Union occupation, Ukraine remained the world's largest exporter of hemp. Just can you imagine that and being demonized so much right now uh, it's just unfair you know and it's just plain stupid <laughs> because come on just 50 years or 70 years of drug war and people just forgot everything they had and if you ask some people in villages some older people like 70 80 years they still remember uh, the times when hemp was cultivated when every family had to have a few plants because they need to they need to make clothes and stuff you know yes and another thing for ukraine which is really important i guess is well 
the problem with veterans of the Russian-Ukrainian war who suffered from PTSD and this is a very important question. We need to solve it. We need to help those people. We need to help those people accommodate when they uh, return home. Uh, we need to support them. And I guess medical cannabis is a great way to do that. Yes, I've actually been um, in touch with one guy who's uh, in particular interested about um, you know, pushing for that aspect of cannabis, that there are so many young, you know, men in Ukraine who have went through that war and who do need the help. Um, and I think the cultural aspect that you mentioned is also very important. Um, you know, I'm also coming from a country where we have been using it for a very long time. You know, hash has been a part of our culture for quite a bit of the time. And we have that gigantic Chew Valley that's located on the size of 32,000 um, hectares. So it's massive land that has wild ruderalis, um, and you know they've been calling it the Mecca for the drug dealers. Um, it's there and it's just you know not used, but at the same time, um, I know that there is a huge population in the south of our country that is still consuming cannabis. It's not very widely talked about, but it's very well known about and uh, i believe the southern part of our country some of them uh, the traditional hash that they're making contain, uh, contains about 20 percent of opium so obviously uh, because of that there is a bit of a stigma around cannabis consumers uh, on our side where they think that they're you know uh, drug addicts because they like to get the high but it's doesn't necessarily only involve cannabis in it i think it's a a big part to mention and there's some like wild uh, stories i've heard about how um they get the hash um in the true valley it's um incredible <laughs> there's this one video i just have to mention it uh, that i've watched pretty recently that talked about um the southern regions and the true valley and how uh, they make like basically like an underground tunnel system to run through it and uh, harvest plants in the middle of the you know field without anybody noticing you get there and the other thing that they have mentioned is that <laughs> it's been like a tradition to starve a sheep for i think two days they said don't feed the sheep for two days and uh, on a third day feed it with a cannabis plant that's full flowering uh, and then like whatever that sheep poops out basically is going to be the product that they sell which you know goes pretty expensive and they say like one or two like you know basically little pieces of poop will get like four big guys like high out of their mind um, so there's like that culture happening too and unfortunately because of the illegal aspect of it there isn't that many documentation of those processes and you know the rituals that they have um, involving cannabis and i would be really interested to learn about that but you know it's like you said it would only go by talking to the people who have lived in that time they probably would be the only um, ones who would actually know the entire process which i find very fascinating um, and you know I just think there's a lot of um, information about cannabis that we have forgotten about. 
um, and is really worth revisiting as, uh, you know, a lot of our story has been erased uh, during Soviet Union, um, just like they have erased all the information about the use of psychedelics in Siberian um, indigenous populations as well. So, you know, there is so many, again, issues that we can tackle uh, in our society and also help us bridge the gap with our history and our ancestors and what has been happening for such a long time. Because, you know, we in this room, unfortunately, represent those um, ethnicities that Soviet government has stripped of, you know, their culture and their traditions. And, you know, there has been a really big gap um, that has, you know, been created in our populations because of that, um, unfortunately. And, you know, as many other things, cannabis is also part of that too. Um, and I think it would be very important for us to just, you know, keep reminding our people that it's not something foreign, that it has been around. And in my case, you know, when I was little, cannabis was growing in my garden. Um, and I just never ever in my life thought that, you know, that plant could have been the answer to so many things that have been going on with my body that I couldn't get any other help with. Um, and sharing this story, like the fact that I was so sick to the point where I thought that there was no, you know, no tomorrow for me and it, you know, got resolved. That I think is a very big um mission that a lot of us have who have experienced the really good benefits of cannabis is just letting people know that you know i'm standing right in front of you i have been consuming it and i am feeling great and there is nothing you should be scared of it's not evil it's not the enemy it's just something that was made to be an enemy to distract us from other things that have been a lot more important yeah, I totally agree. We need to talk about it more. We need to educate people, tell them that it's not right, it's not an enemy. Uh, and um, that's what happened with um, my family and I. Um, I. I told my parents that I smoke, uh, that my husband smokes, and uh, and they accepted us. They they said, well, you you're okay. You look okay. Your your thoughts are clear. Uh, you don't do crazy stuff. And they accepted us, even though my father is a former former uh, military and uh, former SWAT member of uh, of Soviet Union and uh, even in the beginning of 90s but but he left because he said I'm, I'm no longer serving the people I'm serving of some crazy uh, government um, shady guys who you know um, have the higher positions and who want to destroy the nation so he resigned and uh, thank to him that he did that and thank to my parents who accept accepted me and that's what we all need to do to tell our parents to tell our friends to tell everyone that the cannabis is with us it was with us and it still is and it's help for everyone yeah, I agree with Ellie. I wanted to tell about my experience too, that I'm actually open about my cannabis consumption to all my friends and well, family. My parents know that I smoke. Um, and uh, sometimes, uh, for example, mom of my boyfriend even can join me. Uh, so in Ukraine, it's actually possible to be open about that and uh, not to get a stigma. Well, it depends, of course, it depends on people who you are friends with, right? Uh, but uh, I got lucky and even though my dad 
uh, as well as Alice that is a military man too but he totally he's totally okay with it and they support me they they support um, my activities and they understand that I'm a cannabis enthusiast in Ukraine and that's really hard um, so thank I, I, I'm really thankful for that Unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't able to be super open with my family about this. Um, obviously, everybody has access to my public Instagram page and, you know, everybody can see it. But um, to yesterday, uh, up until yesterday, basically, I did not know that my mom did not know that I smoke. Um, and the conversation, you know, <laughs> went really awkwardly, but... Uh, there's a really big part of me that strongly believes that, you know, my mom has been talking to me the entire time that I've been smoking weed. Um, and, you know, she can see that I still can live my life as a successful person. You know, I still have a job. I have a family. I have friends. You know, I do a lot of other things. Um, and it still was a very awkward conversation to have because I mentioned to her that we harvest it. Again, mind you, my mom knows that we grow cannabis at home. My mom knows that I work at facilities and she knows that we have a cannabis business. And still, she was kind of like, oh, what do you guys do after you harvest it? And I was like, uh, well, I can't sell it because it's my medical grow. And she said, do you smoke it? And I said, yes. And she said, are you a drug addict? <laughs> Just straight up. And I honestly, I was really startled because I didn't really, I was trying to compute how this whole time she did not think that I was not smoking all that stuff when I was growing. Um, but she basically told me, she was like, well, people in the South here, they smoke cannabis, you know, they're drug addicts. So are you a drug addict? Um, and I was really, you know, trying hard to explain to her that, you know, I see a doctor every year. I talk to a therapist every week. You know, I don't only rely on cannabis to be my savior. So, um, you know, it was just so hard because the person was so, you know, supportive of the growing aspect and everything else. But like the consumption part was totally, you know, like out of it. Because I guess like if, if you're dealing it, then that's fine. But if you're smoking it, then, oh, my God, it is horrible. Um, but, you know, what made me really hopeful is that she was kind of like, OK, well, you know, uh, let's talk about this when, you know, I'm basically in a state when I can be open to information and you can kind of explain all of this to me. Um, because I've had a similar reaction a few times where, you know, people start immediately um, coming up with, you know, things that are not true and they just try to make certain assumptions. But the reality is, I have been smoking it for the last seven years every single day, and everybody who's known me before then and they know me now, they can all say that um, I actually got a lot better. I'm a lot more mentally stable, I'm a lot healthier, and I'm doing like generally a lot better in my life, you know? And that's something that for a lot of people, I guess, is hard to put together, you know, an image of somebody who's a professional and, you know, a family person or, you know, just like, I don't know, even like, I think for women, too, there's a lot of stigmatization in us consuming cannabis. Um, it's usually everybody thinks it's the guys that do it. But when you're a girl who smoke it, smokes it, there's a lot of the times when, you know, people just make uh, certain assumptions that, again, are not necessarily true. And with that being said, it's been a very interesting journey for me, because 
it's very easy to get the people to understand where you're coming from once you give them the information. And once you kind of, you know, lay out the facts that, you know, it never killed anybody, it's replacing multiple medications for me. And, you know, if you look at my life, I'm doing fine. Because there is that, you know, bit of it that people think that you get addicted and you spiral out of control and like you're going to sell your mother to get some more weed. But it's really not like that. Um, it's a huge relief and it's something that increases your quality of life. So you're able to be a better person. Um, and that's what I think, um, you know, a lot of us, when we tell those stories, that's something that we kind of, you know, planting that little seed in people's minds that maybe it's not really that bad. Um, and maybe there are a lot of people around me who smoke and I just don't know about it because that was definitely the case for me when I used to be thinking very negative about it. And then, you know, later I found out that all these people who are my friends around me, they all actually smoked this whole time. And because I was being so negative about it, they were even like afraid to open up to me. But once, you know, I kind of eased up and they all told me, I was like, oh, I was like, well, you know, you guys are not bad people. So definitely... You know, all these things that I've been told for so many years were not really the reflection of the reality is what it is. So the one thing that I really wanted to mention in this conversation for sure is that it's definitely exciting to see the different issues that come up. Every single country, every single region within countries are different. And I think it's important for individual countries to uh, have their space and sort out uh, their problems because their problems are unique uh, to themselves. On the other side of that, though, uh, it would definitely be helpful for people who have been in legalized markets up in Canada, for example, to be on the ground with people in the Ukraine or these other countries that are seeing these challenges, because it is extremely helpful to see these challenges going through the experience of people in the cannabis industry, going through federal regulation and going through some of these huge challenges. So I definitely wanted to kind of throw that out there because I know that there are some consultants or some people will definitely take advantage of the situation. But I think that there are definitely some really good people on the ground and some people that are doing things that would be able to assist other countries that are really, you know, having these troubles. For me, I've been privileged enough to be immersed in a lot of these markets around the world and understand or have my ear to the ground of what is happening and you know, the one thing that really jumps out in this conversation for me is that there's been nobody ever in any country I've ever been to that has cited that the number one thing that needs to happen before legalization is serious police reform. And so that was something that um, I really take uh, away from this conversation. I really appreciate um, you three for bringing that up because that is that's a very interesting aspect to it. I know fact of their challenges, you know, with law enforcement, and this is even in the Schengen zone, never mind in a country that already has some civil issues that they need to work through. Yeah, this has been a very interesting and eye-opening conversation. I really appreciate you ladies highlighting some things that, you know, definitely opened up my ears to the topic of legalization. And because, you know, again, Molly kind of mentioned it earlier, the legalization in Canada isn't really the best system here. It uh, It's interesting to see how these new countries are going to come through and hopefully they don't make the same mistakes that we've seen um, up here in Canada. So I really appreciate the value and the different points that you've brought uh, today. Uh, Maria, Ali, and Molly, it's very wonderful. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, we really appreciate the opportunity. And the thing is that this is not something new for our countries. Um, there is an entire documentary available on YouTube uh, with English subtitles 
um, it's from the channel called Redakcia. I'm probably going to send a link for this to our Telegram uh, group chat just so that, you know, some of the people who have time and they're curious about it, they can kind of take a look at the documentary and sort of understand the system that the law enforcement has developed to deal the drugs um, on the black market. Um, more than that, it has been done through online platform for the past four years, I believe. Um, and it is all very, very well um, thought through the entire system um, and how it's all functioning. Uh, but again, I think, you know, because we have people like us who are activists and who are kind of, you know, talking to the public about it, and we're not trying to make it something dirty that's happening underground and in the alleys. We want this to be safe for people, and we want people to not risk their lives when they try to access cannabis, because that's the issue that has been happening, and I think that's a very, very big point that our population should be aware of, that legalization comes with safe access because people will still go for it we just need to make sure that when they do they're doing it safely and nobody is getting hurt in the process and you know unfortunately the police reform is a big big part of it because in our countries the police and the state are very very well tied together and they're relying on each other to you know make this whole machine work so until that bond is you know broken or loosened unfortunately we can only you know do so much but um like i said we are just at the beginning of this and i don't think we're going to be giving up anytime soon thank you guys we're always open to your help and it will be a tremendous help for us but yeah uh, as we mentioned before we need to solve this um police reforming and other stuff and then move forward uh, with uh, decriminalization and legalization but we're always open and thank you for inviting us um and letting us share uh information on ukraine and we hope that uh, one day all of our efforts um, will lead us to a full and adequate reform uh, on cannabis. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having us here. Really appreciate it, having the platform to talk about our experience, to share with the world our uh, our way. I hope everything will be great and we will share some news with you very soon. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah, what a time. It uh, definitely inspires me to keep on doing what I'm doing for sure, making sure that I cultivate the best cannabis necessary so that we can get a hands of the right people. Yeah, just a while. It's very interesting how I can be so fortunate to cultivate and consume while people need to go through extra hoops before they can even consider um, smoking cannabis uh, legally. That's something that I'm going to take away from this conversation. Again, Molly, Maria, Ali, I really appreciate the time that you guys took today. I'm really glad that we get to have these conversations and have human beings from around the world get the chance to think about the point of view that's happening from their area and also learning about the challenges so we can try and overcome them, continue to make good cannabis things uh, throughout the worldwide community. Thanks again, everybody. That's another episode of Resonate Radio in the books. This was recorded a little while ago. I know that uh, there have been a few more developments in the country of Ukraine and we can't wait uh, to have our panel back again. Really excellent conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. 
I hope you enjoy this episode as with all the others. Download, there's also a playlist on Spotify, Resonate Radio on repeat. I add all the new episodes to that playlist every single time I release them. So if you just want to keep on rolling through and you're doing things around the house, you're able to do that this holiday season. Again, shout out to everybody over in the Ukraine. I am watching you. We are watching here at Resonate Cannabis, and we look forward to helping in any way that we can. And I really look forward to the continued support. Uh, appreciate the chart listing out there and all the listens. Uh, clearly, it really, it just, it really means a lot. So, with that, we will see you all on the next episode of Resonate Radio, and hope you enjoy your holiday. Take care, everyone. <laughs>